Welcome to the School for Mystics podcast with Misha Seidel and Marina Galan. In this podcast, Marina and I will share with you unique and contrarian perspective of how our lives really work. Hello, Marina. Good morning, Misha. How are you? Doing amazingly well. Why is that? You always say some sort of amazingly well, incredibly wonderful. So there are two reasons for that. Okay. Reason number one, I don't believe in the opposite. Okay. Oh, that's a good reason. And reason number two, whatever it is, it always feels great. At least it feels. At least it feels. <laughs> Beautiful. As long as it can feel, it is great. There you go. I agree. Absolutely. A hundred percent. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about the counterpart of the, of the sacrifice. How do men sacrifice themselves in relationships? Interesting. Relationships, both romantic, friendships, you know, parenting, all sorts of things. Hmm. So, do you do you have an idea how it is done? How men actually sacrifice themselves? Well, I would really like to do it the way you did it to me. So, you start us off by telling me how you experience it, and then. I will ask questions and we will try to go deeper and deeper and deeper into this. Now, but I want to say something. I think it's an incredibly valuable exploration for women to listen to as well. Because most of the time, we are completely oblivious to what is going on in a man's world. We are so caught up in what is going on in ours, and there's a lot going on in ours, that we miss the chance to look at it from the man's perspective. So I really believe this is an incredibly rich, beautiful exploration for us to have. Okay. So it's going to be an interesting conversation today. Of course. Always. So let me share how I experienced that. Probably starting from my childhood, the way I was brought up is that you are the breadwinner. You are the provider. You're the one who brings money and food to the table and the whole family relies on you. And another side to that was we don't care whether you're happy, whether you like what you do. Money is all there is. Prioritizing. Right. So whatever you choose, your choice should be based on whatever pays you more. And I was myself a big believer in that story. Probably until very recently, actually. Like until 30 years old. Really? Yeah. So I was lost you know, doing things I totally hated. I was not 
perfect for doing these things. So I was driven by thirst for money. And my, the, like the result of the belief was that if I make enough, I will feel better. If I just make enough, they will let me go. Okay. So I, I, can, I can check that box. Yeah. And then I can, I can actually invest my time in what will make me happy. Yes, Is that exactly. it? Yeah. Okay. But in the meantime, disregard your feelings, disregard your preferences. Not only disregard them, I mean, don't even, don't even tell us about them. Yes, we don't want to hear. Exactly. Okay. And everything that is, that feels like you're not going to make money there, we will criticize you for that. For instance, um, since my very, very early childhood, uh, there, there were two things I was driven by. I wanted to be a teacher. And I wanted to be a coach or a therapist. I wanted to help people. Now, the country I'm from, it, nor teachers, like neither teachers nor therapists or coaches make money. Like that's basically to say you are a coach is equal to saying that you are unemployed. <laughs> really? Yeah, like, or to, to say that you're a teacher, that's the same as saying, oh, I just couldn't find anything else I'm good for. Wow. Like, that's the, literally the worst choice you can make. In terms of money? In terms of money, yes. Like, oh, you're lazy, you're dumb, you are not hardworking, you don't have discipline, that's why you go and do these things. And that's an excuse. So you are using that, those things as an excuse. And I remember like when I was, um, I think 17 years or 18 years old, I lived in Turkey and I uh, worked as a, an entertainer, as an animator. Now I loved that job. That was awesome. You know, that's the best job in the world. But everyone I knew was saying, yeah, it's cool when you're a kid to be an entertainer, but that's not the way how you make money. Of course, it's a, it's a momentary thing. It's exactly, yes. And then I, I, I came home back to, to, to Ukraine and um, I started teaching English. So I, I worked as a tutor and as a teacher. And um, again, close people would say, hey, that's the perfect way to learn English. If you teach them how to speak, that's the perfect way to learn English, but that's not the way how you make money. And then I asked, okay, how do you make money? Oh, you, you get the best education possible and then you go to the corporate world and you climb the ladder until you are a vice president or a president and you do whatever it takes. So you play politics, you trying to be the best in, in your job. And no matter what you sell, what kind of product the company makes, as long as it pays, that's what you're supposed to do. And that was the story for many, many years. And uh, that's, that was the cycle of ambition, thirst, burnout, feeling 
really bad pretty much every day for hitting your thoughts because it's not the job the job is neutral but since your spirit already knows what you are supposed to do and you're doing something else that's called suffering right so that was the 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 first one another problem is the competition so i'm the breadwinner but then my my wife my partner she's really smart girl so she was making as much you know as as i was making sometimes more sometimes less now my expectation for me was that no matter how good your partner is that you're supposed to bring the money and if you're bringing the same amount of money as your partner it means that you're not the provider you're the partner so your role is somehow damaged the box is not ticked exactly so you need to you know to fight for more you need well, to get more. so the box is not ticked and therefore you should feel bad about it and you should fix that exactly so now, there was not there is not only competition amongst men but there's also comp- competition with your partner exactly yes but now the competition is in my head my partner doesn't care she's just doing her job right she's trying to contribute she's in the different paradigm but i'm thinking okay if she's making as much as i'm making and her role is not the role of the provider was the heck like am i like am i a cripple or you know what's wrong with with me okay so you like you push yourself and you drive for more you drive yourself for more and more and more and then at some point i'm i I'm, i think i was 20 26 years old I just uh, fired, I think, four or five people in, in, in like in, in, in pretty much in one hour. I was already working as a director at, at that company of, of a multinational corporation. And uh, I had to let go of these people uh, since we were cutting costs. Like they were not bad. I just need to cut costs. And I will, also, I was really bad manager. <laughs> so I had to fire them. And I fired these five people in a row, four people, I don't remember exactly, in a row. And I didn't feel anything. Oh, my God. And I was shocked. Like, I literally felt nothing. And in three months, I will resign after that. So, but that, that was kind of the turning point. Like, the first bell. You know, that, hey, dude, there is something wrong in the way you're doing things. You saw that. I saw that, but I was still not convinced. (laughs) Okay. But my life had to convince me. So uh, I resigned. I went to Canada, to Toronto, to get my MBA degree. Uh, I was, again, I was one of the best students because still, and not because I wanted to be. Because you had to. I had to. Like, there was no, no other way. So I was one of the best students, and I thought, okay, now I'm going to crush it. Like, I'm going to find this perfect job, and I will be the uh, top 
C-level executive in really great corporation with really great boss, and I'm going to crush it. I'm going to be making hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know. After uh, graduation, I couldn't find any job. Like nobody wanted to really to hire me. Nobody wanted to talk to me. I was not invited for the interview. So my life was showing me that, hey, something should change. And I decided to start my own business. And I failed. I, I was somewhat techy, I think. I'm not really, but what do you, what do you, what do you mean by tacky? I'm really, I can write code. I can, um, I can build websites and I have created this platform that will like a marketplace that will connect personal chefs to families. And I would control the whole value chain and all these families will be happy with my personal chefs and then they will be inviting me and my crew and we'll make splendid dinner for them and they will have the best experience of their lives and they will pay me really not much for that type of experience and it will be making millions of dollars. Now it failed within four months. <laughs> okay, got it. So everyone wanted my chefs, but um, I was not making any money because my unit economics was failing me from the very, very beginning. So I was paying more to drive marketing than I was making. I had to go and find a job. And the first job I found... So at that point, I was like, just give me any job. I still have this idea. Because I you have, right, because you have to make money. Okay. Yeah. and But also there was an expectation. Like my partner, my family, they used to me making money no matter what, being like a machine, and suddenly, hey, there's something wrong with this guy. Yeah. And I'm and they like, hey, what what are you doing? Like how are you making money? And I'm like, hey, I'm I have this personal chefs thing, you know, and, and they say, oh, is it making money? Is it profitable? No. So what are you going to do? Maybe I'm going to try myself as a coach. What? As a coach? Are you kidding? Like, no, go and find the real job. So I found the real job. Are you ready for the real job? Is there sacrifice involved in this? Yes. <laughs> okay, go for it. So a lot of humiliation involved in that. Okay. Selling copiers like multifunctional products, like copy machines, okay. like printers, yes. door to door. Wow. In 21st century. Okay. Okay. That kind of really dumb. <laughs> well, it's not dumb, Misha. It's just contrary to what, what you were taught was ideal. Yes. I mean, I, the job is a job. And I was crushing it. Again, you know, discipline, creativity. I was doing really, really great. And three months in, I was headhunted by another company. I went back, back to power, got my director's position back, all that. Um, two years in. You know, and I meet this girl 
uh, her name is Amy. And Amy tells me this story that she's a coach and this year she will cross $5 million. And my jaw dropped. <laughs> I, that time, if I was able to feel all the emotions, I would have cried, like for days. I could not because I was suppressing my feelings for so many, many years. Because sacrifice. Because of the sacrifice, I just stared blank at her. I'm like, what? I don't believe you. And she had shown me her documents, like her statements, bank statements. Yeah. And I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> I knew what I was supposed to be doing from, like, literally from, I remember myself, like, from year eight or ten. And I was lying to myself and telling myself that it's impossible and you need to go and sacrifice another way to make money. I could not even imagine that you can make as much doing what you love. Right. So the moment I, I saw that, um, I, I knew I'm going to resign. It took me around three months to do that, maybe more, maybe longer. But I'm, I resigned the same year as I first heard her. Um, explain what she does. And um, I told everyone, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And this time I could not care less what they think. Right. So that's, that's the story. So that was the first model of, of sacrificing yourself. Another one is the idea that you are the strong one. Oh, this is a good one. Yes. Yeah. Tell us about it. So being the strong one means being physically strong and emotionally strong physically strong is yeah of course you can't deny that my muscle mass is generally kind of bigger especially in the upper part of my body comparing to females right not to all of them there are some females that will kick my ass so hard that I will be like aching for years, right? But generally, my muscle mass in the upper uh, upper body is bigger. So yes, I can, you know, lift heavier things. I can do the pull-ups and push-ups generally like on a better kind of scale rate, etc. right? Yeah, I can help my wife with heavy bags and all of that and carries things. So, but... The idea of being strong I'm talking about is a bit different. It's the idea that you need to prove to other males and females that you are strong. So you need to be more aggressive in some ways than you would like to. And there are like some stupid things like protect your honor and you know, like protect your woman and all of that, even though she doesn't need protection. Like, you know, when, when really, really young, I remember picking up a fight with some guy because he looked at my, at that time, girlfriend. Like how dumb it is. Yeah, it's the, it's 
there, there's some sense of an idea of property hidden in there, right? So the idea of like, she is mine, you can't, but also I'm going to prove you, my girlfriend, that I can protect. Yeah. So how primitive is that? Very. Like that kind of stuff will never occurred in a female mind. Like I'm going to pick up a fight with another girl for, I mean, some of them probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they need help, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, what's, what's interesting is that you seem to be talking about all these wonderful characteristics that are admired, you know, worldwide in men, but we rarely think about the cost that is behind it. So I, I would really like for you to talk about, because we all know, you know, like when, when you say yes to something, you are saying no to something else. So if you are saying yes to the violence, if you are saying yes to demonst demonstration of strength, if you are saying yes to the protector, what are you saying no to? First of all, you're saying no to your feelings. Yeah. You will suppress your emotions pretty much your whole life. And everything you feel, like the best moments of your life, would not be felt to the fullest. Yeah, you're not free to feel. You're not free to feel. You're not free to show you feel. You're not free to feel. So tell me something. Is there, is there a sense in there of, I am not free to feel because feeling is... Lack of control? Feeling is a sign of vulnerability. Right. It is a sign of, of vulnerability. And if you feel, you're vulnerable. And if you're, if you're vulnerable, you're not masculine. Okay. Cool. I want to I wanna come back to this one later. But please continue with, with what else you say no to. Yeah. So number one is obviously feelings. Number two is very often you're calling like it was in my case. I was called to do certain things. I could not because I had to sacrifice myself. And I had to say no to every idea that in my mind could not make money. Okay. Another no is the best moments in your life. Why? So imagine when you need to be on the business trip when it is your daughter's birthday. Right. Got it. Because, so because being the provider requires your entire time and attention. Yes. You need to prioritize. You cannot get distracted. Yes. If someone who pays you money tells you, I'm sorry, but you have to do, like, you have to be there yeah. on these dates. There is no other choice. Otherwise, I will be discontent with you. Right. You can't say, ah, you know what? That's my daughter's birthday. I can't actually come. Because you don't feel free yourself. You can't say, hey, you know what? You just go fuck off. <laughs> no, like, you can't say these things to someone who is pain you right because right. you're dependent on that in your mental scheme money is the number one priority yeah 
being the provider is the number one priority. So tell me something. Is there, is there an idea of you're not supposed to want to prefer yes. your birthday, your daughter's birthday over this? Yes. You're, you're not supposed to have these best moments. And if you do, something's wrong with you. Like you should yeah. prefer this. You should prefer. You should prioritize. There you go. Right. Now we are talking about extreme situations, right? Like, I think I remember missing the important date only once. You know, but also there are smaller things, like we are on vacation, and you know they need me. Like the the company I'm working for, they need me immediately for something. And instead of just enjoying, you know, these beautiful mountains and the beautiful ocean, you go and like you drag yourself to do that. Right? So that's like sacrifice after sacrifice when you prioritize, when you assign certain roles. And another thing is having and keeping what, what, what we call or pretending to be someone you're supposed to be, but you're not. Like meeting the expectations. So you, you should be, um, um, you know, like you should be respected in your family and everyone should say, oh, you're such a, you know, great father and listen to you from the first sentence and just like bow and all of that. So this idea of like previous generation or older generation that men are important. Of course. Men should be respected. You know, that is that is really interesting, Misha, because it, it points to precisely the counterpart of, you know, like women should be silent and wait. Yes. To be seen, chosen, discovered, asked for their opinion, etc. But on the counterpart, well, you are the one that has to see, that has to choose, that has to speak up, that has to establish the norm, the rule, the yes. how, how the relationship is going to go. How, and it's a lot of pressure, man. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Like you should be active, you should be chasing, you should be, you know, strong and firm, like all of that. And well, but my personality is not like that. Why would I pretend someone I'm not, right? Like, I don't really care whether I'm getting respect. Like, that's not my value. Meaning that, hey, I want love. Like, I would choose love anytime. And if there is love, there is respect. But I don't need someone to bow, you know, when they see me. I understand. Like, all that. Let me, let me ask you this. How do you think it would benefit not only men and women, but the whole world at large to see through this sacrifice so that men could start expressing the areas that are being left in the dark, like feelings, like being seen, being loved, being chosen, being taken care of, being... So all this... All these sacrifices that you guys are doing in the name of the role, how would it benefit the world to 
bring them back into the light and allow for a different kind of balance? I think it's already happening, actually. I think that already the mindset is shifting. As you give more power to women, the balance is shifting. And women have different expectations now. I Another day I was talking to my wife and I'm like, hey, what's your language of love? Have you heard of these languages of love? I have, and this is really cool because I was having this same conversation with a friend of mine a couple of, I don't know, three or four days ago. Yeah. We're talking about the languages of love and how important it would be in a relationship to actually ask the other person, yes. how do you show love? Because we are expecting love to be shown the way we show it. Exactly. And we miss the signs completely. So true. And my... I, I thought that her language is love is like presence, like just, you know, give me presence and give me um, signs of attention, you know? Yeah. And she's like, I know my language of love is service. She's saying, I like, I love you the most when you do the things that sometimes are not the male thing to do. Right, like when you take the kids for the whole day and you spend time with them, not if it is a weekend, but if it's like a weekday. Or when you solve the problem with like with food and you know, cooking and all of that. Like when you cook, I love you. Right. So she she's but hold on. So that's not her language. That's that's the language she understands. Yeah, so that's that's okay, the language she wants to see me expressing or me talking yes right now uh so that's what her language of love would be the same actually which is interesting now if since she likes service she expresses her love through service right, right? and i could not care less <laughs> right like i don't need anyone to wipe my ass like really i don't need anyone to cook for me or to clean my stuff like no that's not my language my language is high quality time together like understanding values ideas you know strategies and just spending time touching each other and talking to each other that's my language of love yeah. now she's like very down-to-earth girl she doesn't want to discuss, you know, how spaceships move to, uh, to other galaxies. That's not what she's really curious about, right? But then I say, but the, this is the language I want to be spoken. No, and so we have to adjust because I don't care about the service. That's why I'm not providing the service, right? Yeah. So you see how this, this, this conversation is necessary? <laughs> yes. That's like, so you understand what is important for each other. Which is really, really, really important conversation to have. But as you understand another human being better, I also like the idea of not seeing someone through the gender 
Through the role or through the gender? Through the role and through the gender. Okay. Say more about that. If you consider another human being as a human being without any instructions how the person is supposed to be or behave, act, think, it actually frees you. Suddenly you don't have any instructions and expectations towards yourself and to, you can be whoever you want to be. And you love another being and not what they're doing. What they're saying, how they, what roles they're taking, etc. You know, if my lady wants to do push-ups and, and bench presses, cool, love it. You know, if she wants to make money, cool, love it. If she doesn't want, sure, why not? You know, if she wants to be the career leader in our family, good luck, sure. Go ahead. If she wants to be stay-at-home mom, cool. You know, yeah. whatever you choose, whatever makes you happy. I'm happy when I see you are happy. So, how do you think bringing all this would actually change the world? Do you think we would be happier, healthier? First of all, we will have less drama in our lives. And when your brain is not occupied with drama. It is by default that we are creating amazing things in our lives. Right. There's more presence, like automatically. More presence, but also more important things to work on. Like you can think about whether your partner treated you fairly or not, or you can think about how to make human species, you know, like galactical civilization. Like there are, you see, one is a thought and another is a thought. Which thought is cooler? One gives you drama, another gives you dreams. Okay, here's another question. If, if we were talking to women today only, yeah. what would you tell them? How would you help them? So what, what kind of advice would you tell them that would allow them to take a step forward in the relationship with men so that this new reality can actually happen, yeah. can actually be formed? Do you see what I mean? And then what would you tell men if, we, if only men were listening to us today? Hmm. That's a good question. If you're a woman... Probably my advice would be personally to you, like not only to you, not to your partner and not what to should oh, yeah. be done in your relationships, no, like only, only, to you. only to you. Yeah. And to, it will be drop any expectations and instructions you have toward any human being, especially your partner, and tell him or her about that. Love for what they are, for who they are, and not for what they do. And if you can't love for who they are, ask yourself, maybe 
It's time to love yourself for who you are first. You see, what I listen a lot or hear a lot is that, oh, I, 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 my, my partner makes me unhappy. I don't ever like our marriage, etc. I know one thing. If anyone in this world makes you unhappy, it's not because of the person, but because of what you think about the person. So it is a thought. Now, there is a thought that you don't want to be present with, and there are thoughts that you like to be present with. But I know for sure that if there is a thought that you don't like, if there is a thought that you truly hate, it is because you don't love yourself. If you loved yourself, you would love your all thoughts. It's impossible to hate thought or thoughts, many of them, and love yourself at the same time. There is no compromise. The truth is one. You love yourself and you love all your thoughts. So drop all the instructions. If you can't, start with loving yourself first and then drop the instructions. Sweet. So that's for females. Now for males, the advice can be very similar. Now, so it's, it might be appropriate for them as well. But just because I like to be different. <laughs> <laughs> My advice will be to start with emotional processing. What do you mean by that? Start, feel, and express emotions as they are. And show that you can cry. Show that you don't have to cry when it is expected. Show that you can feel embarrassed. Show that you can be vulnerable. Show that at the same time, you know, like you, you know how to go through, how to get your stuff together. But show the process of how you feel. And try to go to extreme. Just for, you know, limited period of time. What do you mean, go to extreme? Love to the fullest. Suffer to the fullest. Mm -hmm. And show it. So go into your emotions. Get to know them intimately. In, and to, 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 the, to, to the final extent of them. Right. Yeah. Now, this advice is not like, oh, okay, sure. You know, I'm good. I'm, yeah, thanks for telling me. I'm going to do that now. Now, that's the work. This will take months, if not years. But the reward is well worth it. Got it. There are a few things that you mentioned that I would really like to uh, just touch on. Yeah, tell me. The first one is, how blind are we to our own conditioning? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you are here opening your guts out about how you have felt, you know, this imposition of a role and how it has weighed on you. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, almost without noticing, when I ask you, how would the world change? The first thing you say is, 
as we give me women more power. <laughs> wow, that's really interesting. It is really interesting because it's like, oh, you think you, you think you have the power and you have to give it to us? Do you see what I mean? Yeah, but 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 by we I didn't mean males. I thought no the, the I, humanity. Yes, the humanity. But right, right, you're right. Like it's it's like they don't have the power, so you need to give it to them, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, so we are yeah. so blind to our to our own conditioning. You know, it's wow, like that's really interesting. Yeah, and so how how just paying attention to the form, we can actually discover how things are working inside of us. Uh, the second one is. <clears throat> What an amazing testimony of, of having gone through the whole process yourself. Mm. Yeah? And, and the, the value and the courage in the vulnerability as well. Like speaking about it openly, laying it out on the table as it is, right? Like it, it leaves no room for us to hide. It's like, oh yes, I recognize myself in that piece, in that piece, in that piece. And also, I do not recognize myself in that piece. And it's okay. I can let go of that. And at the same time, how easy it can look and how difficult it is at the same time. Right? As I was asking you for advice, I was thinking, man, I wonder how this will come out. You know, is it going to be like, is it going to sound like, well, you know, find a way to fly to Mars, then, or, or is it going to sound completely simple? Yeah. It sounds completely simple. It feels completely difficult. But it actually is absolutely simple and evident. Yes. All it takes is the goodwill to put ourselves in the space of the other for a second and ask ourselves what we would need if we were there. And then realize that we are the mirror of the other and we surely are in the exact same space that the other. So what we are asking for is what the other one needs. So that if we, as, as women, you know, within the role of the female, we want the male counterpart to see through it and realize that there is more to us than that. The only thing we can actually do, since we have absolutely no level of power over any other human being, <laughs> the ability to work on ourselves and, and bring forward what we are asking of the person in front of us. I love it. I, the other way to rephrase what you just said is, Think about what you need the most. Let's say I want to be taken care of. Or I want him to show me that he values me. Now take it and return it. Yeah, and, and in that arena, the importance of understanding how the other one reads love, right? Yeah. So, because I want to be shown love, but I may show it with service, whereas they are expecting respect. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So the the clarity of the conversation, how easy it could become if we just recognize and talk about it from a non-personal space. Yeah. 
another point that you mentioned that kind of struck me is the idea of pure language. So the pure language is a, a term and um, it can be explained as if it's not the truth or as close to the truth as possible, don't say it. Yeah. So we are every time when we say something and it, it's also, it overlaps with scientific methods of inquiry and discovery, which is, is it true? You ask yourself every time when you say something, let's say, I love you. You just said that and then you say, but is it true? Yeah. And if it, if it is the true, say one more time, I do love you. <laughs> there is a beautiful poem by Mark Nepo, a spiritual teacher that I, I personally love. And the opening of the poem is just so amazing. He wrote it when he was turning 50. Mm. And so the first sentence of the poem is, half a century and finally... What I feel is what I say, and what I say is what I mean. Mm -hmm. yeah. Man, how difficult it is to get there. Yeah. Right? I was talking this morning with one of my sons, and uh, he was sh sharing something with me. We were all sitting down at the table. He was sharing something with me, and I, and I really felt like, oh, honey... You already, you already reached the age in which you care what people think of you. And he was like, yeah, I already did. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> When he asked why, all I could say was, well, it will take you about at least 50 years to get past the other side of that. Yeah. Well, maybe faster. You'll help. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. It took me 30 years at least to start looking for the truth and what is, what is closest to the truth versus looking for validation and approval. Yeah. And it might seem like it takes courage to speak the truth, but it's actually the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> it's just that we fear the reaction, right? Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Good. Thank you, Misha. This has been incredibly helpful. Yeah, I hope so, especially for our listeners. I hope they picked up a few things here and there I am that sure. you use in their life. Yeah. I'm sure they do. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, my love. See you See next you. time. See ya. Thank you for listening to the School for Mystics podcast.